0: This is the Home Bodies Yoga podcast and I'm Rebecca Hirsch and this is our seventh episode. In this podcast, I ask people what they do when they unroll their yoga mat and tell you a little bit about what's going on on online. If you have a question about your yoga practice or a suggestion for a guest, please find me at Home Bodies Yoga on Facebook and Instagram. To find out more about each show, please go to our website homebodiesyoga.com. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Do you know how when, like, sometimes a phrase will just sort of get stuck in your head? Like, not a song, but a phrase. A phrase that maybe didn't seem that important at the time, but is like, will get stuck in your head? I've been having that about my practice lately, so um, those of you who, just stay with me here. (laughs) Those of you who have a dog know, like, you know, there's only so many loops in the neighborhood, so you kind of like get used to go taking your dog on like you know maybe ten or twenty different loops. And you know, normally now we just sort of I let Toby kind of pick. Like he'll be like, "Okay, I want to do this loop," and and you do it. But then occasionally he just wants to go. Toby's the dog, by the way. Occasionally he just wants to go like you know halfway down one block, turn around, come back. Then halfway down the next block, turn around, come back. And halfway, you know, and it's so annoying. And I'm always like, no, 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 we're going to go, you know, we started this loop that we always do. We're finishing the loop. I was talking to my husband about it and he was like, oh yeah, you know, I just let him do that. And I was like, what? Why? And he was like, well, it's for him. (laughs) The walk's for him. And I keep, for some reason, that repeats in my mind about my practice. Like, I'll be like, it's for you. (laughs) This practice, it's for you. Um and I think it's because yeah I you know it it's interesting. I I can really if I think about anything long enough and I'm left to my own devices, I can truly feel guilty about anything. So, you know, occasionally I'll like feel bad that my practice isn't longer, you know, it's still sort of 30 minutes during the week and then one long one during the weekend. Or that, like, I'm not trying harder poses because I'm really still on that maintenance kick. Like, occasionally, you know, I'll try a hard pose. but Usually it's just, like, poses that are really easy for me that I feel really good in. And ins- lately, you know, instead of letting myself go down the guilt train because it's like, I mean, how can I make myself feel bad about practicing yoga but somehow I really i am capable of it? <laughs> um, I'm just saying, like, oh, it's for you. <laughs> Um, and I was thinking about like, I, well, I, you know, I, I wonder why I've been sort of feeling like I only want to do poses I know really well. And I only want to do things that I feel really good in and really comfortable in. And I was thinking a lot about what Brema said last week in episode six, when he was talking about building fluency. Uh, and I had said to him something like, oh, you know, my yoga practice is kind of boring these days. Uh, And I just want to get the exact quote. He said, uh, let's see. He said, when we have repetition, we can be in the repetition. It helps us build fluency. And when we have fluency, we feel more capable. And that just makes so much sense to me that what I would want from my practice right now is to feel capable because, you know, with the global pandemic and everything that's going on in the world, I feel very unstable you know um and it kind of I I don't know if you have this experience but every decision feels more um like there's more intensity behind it like uh you know should I go to Target and get more Christmas lights so our house is more cheerful because we're in a pandemic or am I risking my whole family to maybe getting COVID because I went to Target and got Christmas lights or should I Get them mailed, but that's bad for the environment, and also then, what about the essential worker? You know it's just every decision feels uh like there's a lot of intensity behind it, and it makes sense to me that of course, I would seek out something that I feel really capable and fluent in in my yoga practice also, I think like um being a new mom for me it I feel really <laughs> not capable a lot of the time, like I wish. My image for motherhood and and what I wish I could say was like, oh, I have this, like, like this earth mama, and I'm just sort of intuitive and I'm really in a vibe with my, you know, with my son all the time. But really, like, a lot of the time, I'm like, what in the fuck am I doing? (laughs) You know, like, was that the right decision with him? And, you know, I don't know if this is true as he gets older, but with a toddler, everything is a reaction to something decision. So, like, okay we've been still having this issue where he like hits us in the face right so it's like uh, my reaction to him hitting the face is my parenting which is not always the best reaction or I don't know it, is it I you know it, there are so many circumstances where I just feel really not fluent like I'm not speaking the language right you know occasionally I do but so it just makes so much sense to me that, of course, I would go back to this practice that I'm really fluent in, that, you know, I can just sort of slip into. Uh, yeah. It, and and I like this, like, image of fluency because, you know, getting on my yoga mat does feel like, mm, it feels like it's like going back to the homeland in a way. <laughs> like, uh, it feels just so safe and secure and just, yeah, I feel capable uh, with what I'm doing, you know. Um so what I'm learning from talking to Brima and also from my own practice is that that feeling of capa- of being capable, of capability, that's how you say it, <laughs> uh, is, has value on its own because it's almost like that that feeling of of knowing what i'm doing kind of gives me legs to stand on the rest of the day doesn't mean i necessarily feel confident the rest of the day in my decisions but kind of gives me some some legs to stand on so yeah my practice has been sun salutations like really simple warm ups sun salutations couple standing poses always extended side angle lately it's like my new favorite or old favorite or favorite again i guess <laughs> maybe a handstand, and then, like, usually pretty simple backbends. Like, the most intense backbend I do is wheel. Uh, and then shavasana for a little bit, sometimes meditation. And actually, lately, legs up the wall, which was inspired by my next guest, Josh. Josh Aaron Reich is um, a project manager uh, by day. <laughs> so I've actually really been wanting just someone who their primary work is not teaching yoga. Josh has been a yoga teacher in the past, but he isn't at the moment. And I really, uh, have really been wanting that because there's something really special about somebody so dedicated to the the practice when it isn't their work. Uh, and Josh is definitely really dedicated. Um, it was really wonderful talking to him. He's like, really thoughtful and intelligent and he really goes about his practice as a project manager (laughs) so you'll hear but his yoga practice is very managed I sort of felt feel like maybe I should hire a project manager to manage my practice (laughs) I'm not sure that's in in the budget but uh but yeah he's just a really thoughtful uh dude and he he was really honest and transparent about his practice just told me exactly what he does which was it felt really fun to hear uh, just to hear what another person's experience is like. Um, So I hope you enjoyed this interview with Josh.
1: Welcome Josh. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for uh, talking with me. Thanks for having me. Um, So can you tell our audience just a little bit about what your day-to-day life is like?
2: Yeah, uh, pretty repetitive (laughs) i feel like in this time right now Mm -hmm. so like basically um yeah i'm like uh so i work full time and i you know usually have a bit of time in the morning where i just sort of do my own thing where i'll have like meditation and you know breakfast to prepare and sort of a slow entry and then i um work and you know as glamorous as that is and it's at home so sometimes I'm sort of like you know, might like go for a little break or play a little piano, but basically like um until about, I don't know, five. And that's when I shift into my personal practice. Um and that'll be like for I've got it pretty much down. I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but it's like fifty-five or sixty-five minutes, plus or minus one minute. <laughs> um yeah, and that's sort of life. After that, like with Char and stuff, it's like, you know, just sort of some chill time with, like, spending, like, my partner or, yeah, eating, all that little stuff. It's a very repetitive life, and I've sort of been trying to remember that that's actually really nice to have during this, like, shelter-in-place time set. Um I oscillate, of course, but, like, sometimes it just feels, like, it's nice to remember that's like, oh, yeah, that actually there's a lot of satisfaction to be had in, like, following a routine that works.
3: It's funny you say that. I was thinking uh, the other day how COVID reminds me of living at an ashram (laughs) because at the ashram, Mm. you have like very strict um, time periods. Like you meditate for these two hours, then you do this, then you do the dishes, then you clean the room, you know, like all of these jobs. And it's kind of similar to COVID life. I feel like, you know, and it is in a way calming for the mind to know what to expect all the time, you know?
2: Yeah. I think that's a great comparison. I've sort of I find that the times that I get a little bit cabin fevery or stir crazy are actually on the weekends because, mm-hmm. like, in absence of sort of that routine, that's when I realize, like, oh my gosh, there's like, you know, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. Um, generally the weekdays can feel sort of calm, I guess.
3: Yeah, totally. And just so you know, what is your day job, by the way? Your
2: Yeah, totally. Uh, I am a, uh, I work in learning and development. So I um, work in a company and basically I uh, develop and implement and measure programs that uh, support our employees, you know, whether it's skill development or, you know, whether it's furthering values or further employee engagement. Um, It's really positive. The company is super, supportive in that type of area. So yeah, it's very much I'm not so much teaching, but uh there's a lot of the like learner mindset with it.
3: So your so your job is mostly sitting at a desk and a lot of kind of cerebral (laughs) a lot of cerebral work.
2: Basically, yeah. I've got a sit stand, which is nice and I'm antsy anyways. But yeah, it's like A a lot of Zoom.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I don't (laughs) want to make your job, I don't want to like lessen your job. I'm just trying to like put out what practice, you know, just so we can think about like, oh, what do you do to prepare for that? Just sort of so the audience does. So um, let's get into what your morning practice is. You said you meditate a little bit? Yeah,
2: so I guess my morning practice, I haven't even thought of it as like calling my morning practice, but um, it's meditation. So uh, I would say like, Five to six days a week, um, very early in the morning, I have a, uh, 20 minute sitting practice, uh, depending on when I need to wake up, that might reduce slightly, but generally it's 20 minutes. That's, um, that's something that is sort of always like, I really want to get to that, like every single day, like without even thinking, but it's hard on the week. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, so yeah, and that is just, uh, sitting practice, um, focusing on the breath um long term I want to be getting more into finding a meditation teacher because I think
1: that there's really some
2: value in like the insight meditation or um I forgot the specific word but sort of the like compassion and like compassion towards others uh and I like instruction so I but for now the appropriate thing for me is just to do it for 20 minutes
3: and that's in silence do you have like a timer or something that you set
2: yeah, I set my. I just set my phone. Uh, so, and I have a uh, sitting area. Like, I have like sort of a little altar set, which is sort of funny because I close my eyes anyways. But just simply like the spot that I like am in front of. Um, and yeah, and then once that finishes, I just sort of start my day. Like that's when I'll. That's when I go into coffee or breakfast and stuff. How long have you been
1: meditating for? Hmm. That's a great question.
2: So many of my personal practices, I think that I picked up in the Peace Corps or I'm prepped for that because I didn't know if I would have electricity. Uh So that would be like 2008, 2010. So like about 10 years. Meditation, I would say, really was like on and off. Um I would say I've really come to solidify the meditation, like, practice, uh, in the last, like, five years, I think. Um, it's funny because, like, I don't even know if I'm, like, you know, what is doing it right, air quotes, doing it right, but, like, um, all I'm doing is just focusing on or all I'm trying to do is focus on the breath, and, like not focus on anything else. And at this point, that's about as far as I can sort of get. I love some of these other ideas that I hear put forward, but, you know, we, there's only enough attention in the day and ability to, like, learn and focus on stuff. And I just haven't gone for it further than that. And I feel there's a lot of value in simply uh, just not or not following a strand of thought uh, if you can for 20 minutes. I'm pretty bad at it, but sometimes I okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: no, definitely. Uh, same. Okay. What, what? So that five years—that's like a pretty big. That's a lot of minutes sitting on you know sitting on your butt, watching your breath. What? What would you say it's given you? Like, what has
1: made you commit to it? I would say, I so I think
2: one of the things is that I sort of take it for granted that it's of value like i'm actually it's one of those things that i'm not looking to justify um i sort of like just as a line, an item of blind faith um just i'm like you know what this is something that that i need to do and i and i and there's not justification that i'm attaching to it um and i think that you can find that easily like if you look at any just like any blog ever it's like why wow, you should do a five minute meditation practice yeah. the other thing is and like i think that we've talked about this even in the past but like or maybe you just know how i'm sort of i'm a project manager at heart so like i am like so time management oriented and i really fundamentally believe in the power of a daily anything mm-hmm. um like and i think it's something like i'm gonna quickly do some math But like, what really sort of, um, it's like five minutes or 15 minutes, I forget exactly, but a day is like two and a half days a year. Mm. And to me, that just sort of like blows me away. Like we, these small little things in and of itself may have no value, but they aggregate. I mean, they really, really build up, um, so for something like meditation, it's like, I can figure out the value to me in 20 years. Like, I don't so much have to have it now. I sort of believe that the practice, the verb is more important than the result.
3: I love that. Yeah, that's, yeah, there's, there. Ha- I think with all of these practices, there has to be an element of faith and just, mm. oh, you know, let's see what happens. Yeah, definitely. Um, totally. But, so let's get into your afternoon practice. What is your yoga practice like these bum, days? Bum, bum. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. It,
2: it has changed. Um, so, okay, so basically my, my like, practice now, I've started to do what sometimes feels a little pretentious, but I'm like, you know what, this is just what it is. So I really think of it now as a movement practice. Um, and it is pretty consistently... Uh, I start with the flow element of either like some qigong or surya um a and b. Then I go into um a kettlebell practice where it's actually very strength based um and usually that's like a twenty ish minutes of like a planned circuit, you know blah, blah blah. Then I go back to what would be more traditionally thought of as yoga. Uh, I'll alternate between back bends or twists and folds. So, I think of it really as like the spine element of the practice, and then i then depending on the day, as I'm telling you'm so
1: time management oriented
2: <laughs> like uh, I'll do a a foam roll or a restorative like twenty minute shavasana, and I'm really sort of loving this right now, I'm finding a lot of satisfaction. One of the things that I've been struggling with, I would say for the past three years up until I sort of figured out this routine is that I had these disparate elements that I really wanted to incorporate into my life. So like I really wanted to I, I realized that yoga was not providing for me the strength training that I was looking for. So I really wanted to figure that out. I am passionate about restorative yoga. Uh, I have my teacher um or I took my teacher training in that I just absolutely love it. Plus the yoga elements and the flow and Like, and so there's all these different parts, and I was really struggling to figure out, like, how can I actually do this? Because there's also only a limited number of hours in a day. Like, realistically, I'm not going to do 90 minutes, (laughs) nor do I want to, honestly. And
3: your body probably, Um, like, yeah, I mean, I wish I could do Pilates, yoga, run every single day, but your body can't. Like, (laughs) right, totally. And,
2: like, and so I really, I like I now reflect back on it and I realize this was such a this was such a smart intention of er not smart, but this was really good intention setting. But what I was seeking was a way that I could feel that my practice was authentically sort of honoring these different elements that I needed and but not like in a Monday's my this day, Tuesday's my that day. Because guess what? Sometimes Tuesday you don't want to do it. And then it's like, oh no, I missed that day. Like um, so anyways, I do that probably like three, four times a week. Um, I also have a physical therapy routine, um, cause I've got, uh, like needy wrists and needy neck. And so I- I've sort of maintained those exercises. My physical therapist has said, like, they can't really be done when you're doing yoga or qigong, which makes sense. They're like, that's so wrist oriented. You just have to do yourself a day. And then... The remainder might just be off. it may be um a full restorative practice of like three different postures. It may be a run um it's probably just video games its
3: ownpr which is its own practice
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 let's call it that <laughs> um,
1: yeah uh,
3: uh, I love this i really I feel very similar to you, and I haven't actually found that groove yet, but i I really like the idea of using a kettlebell. How how has working with a kettlebell changed your vinyasa practice? Have you noticed any differences?
1: Um, yes. So, and I so one of the ways is that for a while, like I was doing um
2: rocket yoga, which is very much it's basically ashtanga, and Part of the motivation there was the strength based. I mean, you look at these ashtangis and like the handstands and all that capability and like
1: wanting that.
2: And I realized that there was a little bit of a, um, I was putting too much, not too much emphasis, but I realized that there was sort of two things happening with my practice. I wanted the practice of like sort of turning the mind off. And enjoying that. But then there was also this sort of, uh, body development, let's call it part where I'm like, I want to get stronger. And I, A, realized that it wasn't an effective approach to my goal with that. B, it was sort of clouding my ability to immerse myself in the practice. Like there is sort of that aspect. So what's been really nice by integrating kettlebells specifically and separating a strength practice to itself, is that it's really clarified what the flow component is. Um, Like, I don't have to have it be um, like, oh, I should be doing more boats or I should be doing more planks or stuff like that. There's a lot of that elimination that's been happening.
1: Um, In terms of, like, strengthening, I don't, I think I, I honestly don't
2: know if it's helped in some of those postures. Like at this point I'm doing crows and uh like inversions very like minimally, like never <laughs> really. And um so and I look at other things such as like back bends, which I think certainly need that strong core. And I think that there's probably an argument to be made that it's been helping with that, but I think really is just simply the repetition of like you don't want to do five wheels too bad. Like this is <laughs> Just do five wheels, similar to meditation. It's like, do it for 20 years. And then that's how you get a wheel, <laughs> at least for my body. Um. So yeah, I think it's really, I think it's less about like where I've seen in the posture itself and more about what it has allowed me to do for these other more yoga oriented practices. I'm able to separate um, some of those more like very reasonable, but like, oh, I would like to you know, get stronger or do this. It's allowed me to separate those feelings.
3: Yeah. I, I have the same feeling. Like I, I also hardly ever do inversions or arm balances anymore, like very occasionally. And I feel like part of it is I get sort of the athletic strength training part of me, myself out by doing Pilates and running. Um, And it almost feels like now I can just, in my yoga practice, I'm like, okay. It's like, I can just like go home and relax. (laughs) Like Yoga's going home. I can go home. I don't have to like push myself or you know um yeah i guess it's like getting out of the flow because for strength training for me i have to think so hard about my body which is not always what i want in my yoga practice so that makes so much sense
2: yeah i think also there's this sense of like like i still and i'm sure you do too it's like I, it is i'm not like backbends are really difficult for me or like wide-legged forward folds. If someone was looking at me doing it, they would not think that's what I was doing. (laughs) Like, so like, I'm definitely still working in it, but like, when I attended yoga classes, a byproduct of that was like sweating and working up like, you know, heat and stuff like that. When I do like, you know, 10 sun salutations, if I'm hoping to get that same effect, like that's just, it's not happening that way. Like I'm not doing 70 minutes of posture and asana with 30 other people who are building heat as well. So I, I think it's really nice to have an element to like work up the sweat, um,
1: you know, in a way that still feels integrated to a full movement.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, cause a home practice is just generally, it's just different. Um, and I know for yeah. me, like after a certain amount of time, I'll be like, you know, if I was in a class, I'd keep going. But if I, when I'm home, I'm like, okay, we can call it
2: there. <laughs> uh, so what's funny is I've actually started to really schedule, like I have, oh. I didn't know if it would be necessary, but I have my, um, like, uh, like little journal and it's like literally like I have my days. Totally scheduled, and I might skip the day, but you know, I heard some of your other um, hosts talking about this. Like, it's really nice when you have the sequence, mm-hmm. like, like this is what I'm doing. And for yoga, it's so much easier, and it, similar, I'm sure for you, because like you know, like when I say backbends, that's the word I write, but I know exactly it's X number of locuses and X number of you know camels and bridges and yada yada yada. Um but I think it's really helpful to have the sections listed out because then it's like, well, I mean, technically you're not done for what I wanted to do, but you know, you're making a mindful choice to be like, I'm not doing backbends today for this reason.
3: Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so funny what you say about backbends, because I also don't like them. Like I wouldn't say like I can do I can do like most of the backbends, like Urbaha or whatever. I can do most of them. But um I... Not Abraham Assassin, We wheel, sorry. Um, but I, I could do them. But like, I don't like them. And I feel like every yoga teacher loves them. Like whenever you take anybody else's class or when I take other classes of, of teachers I really love, they all love it. Like Andy Carpenter, I've been working with this teacher, Sarah Stru. They're like, love the backpeds. I'm like, why? <laughs> they're so... <laughs> they're just... I, one,
2: I like... Sometimes it's because like some people are just good at them. And whenever I see someone who just is so good, I'm like, is there strength there backing it up? Or are you just like flexible? Like, is this truly a balance that's happening? I, I wouldn't say I like them, but I think they're really, I would say they're probably like the most important part of my practice because of the, because of like, How long term I believe the progress will be. Like, I'm not joking when I say, like, I may have a photogenic wheel, air quotes, in like 20 years. Like, it's, it's not going to be quick at all. And to me, that actually shows that, like, the, the doing it again and again is actually so much more important than just doing a warrior one, which I'm not saying is also perfect, but it's harder for me to assess like you know my warrior one is like standard
3: (laughs) yeah yeah you have a great warrior one josh please (laughs) oh thanks (laughs) um yeah that makes and i also think like with the way that um just bodies move in modern times it's like i understand how a back bend is the opposite of that and how it's important to like move the body Mm -hmm. in all directions Annie Carpenter has said that in her classes a lot, but I'm just like, Oh, like how many camels do we have to do? <laughs> like it's in my strange. home I mean, That practice, is so true. That's... I do not do a camel. I'll uh, tell
2: you that. <laughs> so that was another thing with like Ashtanga, like, and I, I both love it. And it was just like, ugh. but like the sequence is basically the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's like, You know, no one cares if you don't like it. That's what it is. And sometimes I would get that way of like, uh, with like the overt creativity that was brought up with teachers. And it's like, okay, what am I doing? Like, I feel I'm following along too much as opposed to doing the posture.
3: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. There's something about Ashtanga that it's like sort of nice that you just know what's next. Um, yeah, it's very calming. Like, I I think that's why people get into Ashtanga in their, like, 20s when things are kind of, like, a mess. You know, for for me in my 20s, things were kind of, like, chaotic. So I would just go. It would be quiet. You breathe. Yeah. You know exactly what's going to happen. Unlike, like, you don't know if you're going to pay rent that month, but you know exactly what's going to happen in the next two minutes, the whole class.
2: Right. That's so true. And there's so much satisfaction about, like, I know that like this, what's shifting is into reverse triangle, like that's what we're doing next.
3: And you can tell you, I mean, it's really helpful to tell you're improving because as as you do each part, you, you know, every single day you start to see things change.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's actually, that point speaks directly to why I've found that it's been really useful in my current practice of like really identifying like, well, what am I doing? Like with backbends or twists? because. You know, after months and months of doing first the locust, then the camel, then the bridge, then the wheel, like, I, I do feel like I'm improving. And every mm-hmm. once in a while, I'll, like have, uh, like Thomas take a photo and it's like, Oh, I'm not improving nearly as much as I felt like I was improving. But the, it's, I find it's easier to assess and feel that there's some improvement and progression when i've been doing it again and again and again and again
3: yeah definitely and and in a bend, honestly i feel like one centimeter difference is a big difference like to open Mm. that way even just a centimeter more is like i think admirable um what what would you say like so you found this practice you've been practicing a lot like how does it contribute to you you know being a better partner or being a better employee or being a better friend? Like, how is it contributing to your life?
1: Mm. Gosh,
2: I can't even imagine it not in my life. Like, Mm -hmm. I I think about those days when I, not the days, but you know, that when you sort of accumulate some time, it's been like, oh, it's been sort of like three or four or five or six days that I haven't done anything. And like, I mean, first of all, I just love it. I think that I really just love moving and being an embodied being. And honestly, that's somewhat new for me. Like I, that was also a discovery in Peace Corps. I never looked at myself as part of my self-image involving the body. That was always like the, oh, not brain, you know, not body. So I think that there's just simply like this, it feels very foundational that I just I it's hard to think like how does it make me a better person with that. I, I still get anxious. <laughs> um I still like have the like overpowering perfectionist impulse of someone who's like, I got an A minus, I'm gonna fail. Uh which I uh, you know <laughs> that'll also take 20 years to resolve. But like I think what really helps me is I'm a morning person and I used to have my practice be in the morning. Like I would wake up early and do it. And I very consciously shifted to do it after work because I realized that that was where I needed the energy in my life. Like I needed to finish my work day with movement and embodiment, not just to recover from the computer, but because I really needed that energy lift as well as the cleansing from the day-to-day problems, uh, which are always the most urgent thing ever because that's what I'm being paid to pretend that they're like, uh, but they're not. <laughs> and so just sort of like have that step away and just be like, and then suddenly being done with the practice, there's so much less of a feeling of pressure to continue what was that day's work it's like okay that's there there has been a bow tied on that we can go to the next day so i think that like moving to the evenings my practice has really allowed me to create a um division in my day that especially during the pandemic i think is more difficult to see like there's no commuting there's no like to to have this be a division is really powerful for me
3: Mm, I love that. And I love what you said about um, you sort of that yoga was something that helped you become embodied because I had the same experience. I was like, you know, picked last in gym my whole life. And I think because of of yoga, I'm all of a sudden like, oh, wait, I can... I can go for a run, or like, oh wait, you know, I, I I think I can lift weights. I lift eight pound weights, but you know, they're weights. <laughs> um, yeah, totally. You know, <laughs> and, and I think it does like the yoga. There's something about the yoga practice that like gave me a confidence. It was like sort of a gateway into physical movement, which it sounds like you had to. Totally. What got you into it in the Peace Corps, though? Like, what made you start doing yoga?
2: Um. So I, I had decided that I was going to uh, join the Peace Corps. Um, and they say like, they're like, you may have electricity, you may have running water, you may have boats, you may have neither. And like sort of processing that with the reality of like, oh, I have applied to maybe have neither. I was like, all of my activities are powered, Mm -hmm. like, you know, just like you realize, like how much you're relying on electricity. and so. That year, I sort of had this intention of, um, like trying to identify and ideally establish habits of activities that didn't require power. So going into the Peace Corps, you know, I, I would have something to do basically. And I, I had no clue where to start. Like I, I had done a couple different yoga practices, but, um, I think I basically picked up light on yoga because someone had told me like oh there's like sequences in the back of the book it's like okay and like I went into like garage band and I recorded myself reading like like triangle reverse triangle and then just had a 30 second pause like I wasn't you know it's like you could just breathe five times new like um and you know it's funny because like Iyengar it's like What is this 26-week practice? Like in from zero, it's it's not it's like not like couch to 5K. It's like couch to like marathon. It's like, yeah. Who the heck is doing this after 26 weeks? (laughs) Um But but what was nice is really just having the actual sequences and to just just simply do that. And again, there was a lot of the I don't want to say mindlessness, because all of these were really intentional, but there was the thought of like okay, like eventually I'll, maybe I'm not doing triangle correctly. Maybe I am. I'm reading it. I don't remember every single cue or direction. Light on yoga is very specific, but just simply doing it again and again, because you remember a cue for the first three weeks and then you remember another cue for the next few weeks. It just sort of happens.
1: I love that. Yeah, there is, there is a
3: kind of like, I guess, I don't know if it feels like power, but there's a, there's a feeling of like real satisfaction that like that we can, that I can do my practice or the yoga practice can be done without anything else. Like you don't need shoes. Mm-hmm. Like you really could do it. You kind of totally. need a mat, but like, if you don't have one, you could work it out. Like it's, there's something very satisfying totally. about being like, I can make myself feel better with nothing Uh, essentially.
2: Mm.
3: But, yeah. I love that. What is a, that was smart- a big
2: draw? The, That that was a big draw of a minimal amount of stuff needed, too, honestly, like, not seeing myself as an embodied person. So like, it it didn't require other people being Mm -hmm. involved. Um, Yeah, that was a like, really, it's, it's a personal practice, and you can really start where you are. But again, I just go back to the thing of like, the most powerful thing to do is to do it again.
3: Yeah, over and over. Definitely. Yeah, Um, over and over. (laughs) And over and over and (laughs) over. And then still, even now, we're doing triangle and reverse triangle.
2: (laughs) Yeah, right. Although I'm not. I like (laughs) almost never do any open postures or neutrals or reverses anymore. I'm like such a bad... Like, oh, gosh. completely written off the standing sequences.
3: (laughs) Oh, and then it'll come back sometime. I I also have the same thing with poses, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, we're where's compass i miss compass <laughs> i didn't since oh home. yeah
2: like you saying i'm like oh yeah compass
3: Compass does feel good
2: <laughs> oh totally it's like a backbend without a backbend it's like <gasps>
1: uh,
3: <laughs> yes. that heart. yeah give me a side bend any day um <laughs> and um i want to talk a little bit about the prop that you've created can we talk a little bit about that so
2: oh i would love to cool um yeah, so uh so I mentioned that I love the story of yoga. And uh in the course of my trainings and involvement with that, like I came across these like miniature eye pillows. So like most eye pillows that you have are like these big bricks of fabric and sand or whatever. And honestly our eyelids are not very strong. Like <laughs> there's no need to like put like tons of weight on it. Like you can block out the light um a little easier. So uh, but they weren't really available to be found. So I made these um, uh, miniature eye pillows and they're super light. They're under an ounce. They're very small as well. They're like around two by five inches. And I just find that it's a much gentler approach to sort of blocking out the light, helping to settle into a Shavasana or whatever type of recovery that you're doing. Um yeah, they're available online. Uh, you can also find them at clocktower.fitness. Um, yeah, and I'm really excited. It's a new endeavor and I'm really pumped about it. We've gotten some good, um, early traction. So that's exciting.
3: That is exciting. Um, yeah, I, I've looked at them online and they look like they're just also very beautiful looking, which I feel like it, it makes restorative yoga feel like more of a, It is luxurious to be able to sit quietly or lay quietly, but it makes it feel really luxurious, which I think is really nice. Uh, Yeah, they're really beautiful. So we'll definitely put all of the info for them in the show notes. But before we end, show notes, show notes. (laughs) Yeah, I (laughs) I always feel so professional when I say that. Um, But before we end, can you just, what is, like, if you had to, or I'm asking you to recommend a restorative yoga pose for a restorative yoga beginner. So someone who doesn't have that many props, Mm. what's a good
2: one? Right, right. Uh, Legs up the wall. That's what Mm. I would recommend. Uh, and so the two things I would maybe say with this is to give yourself some support under your seat when you go to it. So like, and you know, anyone has that support, just like a couple blankets, uh, not yoga blankets, just any blankets, so like lift yourself up. And then the other thing is, um, like restorative yoga is not so much of a stretch like, um, other postures maybe. So like, give yourself space from the wall. Like no need to have your legs at a straight line up at it. Like give yourself more space than maybe you even think you need. And so like bring your seat out like a foot or two so that you're more at like a 30 degree or 45 degree angle. Um And then to just say one more thing, like 15 minutes, like do it for 15 minutes. Like, and I would say even like longer than that, but like it's really at the 10 minute plus mark that you start to even feel the internal change of like, oh wow, like the blood is actually settling into my, well, it would be upper half of your body because that's its line on the earth, like, and then but then there's also time to then feel your body bringing the blood back up to your legs, like it's, I think it's a, it's a very simple posture to do. You can do it with almost with any props, like you don't really need many, and it's a uh, very I think it's a very uh, apparent way to sort of go inside.
1: Hmm.
3: Yeah, I I agree about the 10-minute mark. And I think especially nowadays when you can't really get a massage, like might as well spend some time in a restorative yoga pose. It's it's not the same, but it's a similar feeling at least. It's like a little bit of like you just got a massage.
2: (laughs) It is one of those things too where it's just like, I feel like people who like hate shavasana or don't do it, it's like, well, are you talking about two-minute shavasanas? you know, doing it for 20 minutes is, I mean, there are people who go their entire life who have never been like on the floor, but not, or rather like what I mean, it's horizontal, uh, but not asleep for 20 minutes. Like, that's crazy.
3: It's crazy. I i mean, that's not the way I've ever been. And actually, this is funny, but my son Hudson, he in the morning likes to just lay in his crib awake. Like he has like his restoring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like his baby so princess time. He just likes to lay in his crib and like put his legs up the like crib wall and just like talk to himself. Like he'll do it for like 20 minutes. It's insane. <laughs> so I think he's going to be restorative. A There's a lot to learn good. from
2: that. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. Like, yeah, heck yeah, lay in bed a little longer. It sounds great to me. Yeah, um,
2: totally. Like moving the legs. It's like, I'm up. Yeah. I just don't need to do anything yet.
3: And he likes to make sure that I'm up. So he yells just, just to make sure everybody's up and then he wants to stay in his
2: <laughs> Right, of course. What would be the point of waking up if I can't wake up my parents?
3: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, this so has been, been wonderful, Josh. Thank you so much for coming. It's been really great.
2: Oh yeah, thanks for having me. This was uh, fun to talk about.
3: Yeah, really fun. Um, so
0: talk soon. Have a good day.
2: <laughs> Sounds good. You too.
0: Bye. It was so interesting hearing Josh talk about his yoga practice and how he's sort of inserted other modalities into it. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of, was kind of like the point behind this whole whole show was to really just hear about what people are doing. (laughs) Uh, There's something so intimate and interesting and I'm so thankful when people share um yeah if you ever want to be on the show please let me know I'd love to hear from you uh, you can find me on social at Yoga on Facebook and Instagram or you can always go to our website homebodiesyoga.com and email me from there I would love to talk with you and if you don't want to talk but you want to help I would love for you to rate and review the show on whatever you're listening to it on or subscribe so you don't miss an episode <laughs> uh so today our sutra is actually the only sutra in the whole book of yoga sutras that talks about asana or um and sort of what we call these yoga poses that we do and it's only three words stirum, sukham asana and stirum is steadiness and discipline uh, and you can kind of hear that from the word right like stiram it sounds like it would be something disciplined sukham Sounds a little softer, right? That means ease or comfort, or sometimes it's even translated to mean joy. Uh, literally what it is, is the way that an axle fits in a wheel when a wheel is turning really well. So you can imagine sort of that like smooth glide. <laughs> and then asanam literally means the way you root yourself to the earth. So what this sutra is saying that is that the way you root yourself to the earth should uh, be both steady and disciplined, but also have ease. Or you can even imagine like that kind of smoothness of like a wheel turning in its axle, like a really well-oiled wheel. You know, um, another word for that might be joy. I mean, picturing that is kind of joyful to me. <laughs> um But no matter what kind of yoga you're talking about, hatha or ashtanga or even restorative, they're all a balance of these two things. All alignment is a balance of these two things of both sthiram and sukham. It's the base of all alignment. And of course, for different poses, balance will look differently. Like the balance of sthiram and sukham is going to look a lot different in say, ukkatasana chair pose than it would in a seated meditation. But the idea is that those elements are in both really. And because it doesn't say yoga pose, the sutra, the sutra says the way you root yourself in the earth, I like to think it could even be applied to life, right? So like right now, if you're sitting or standing or walking, do you have a sense of both steadiness and discipline and ease and comfort and joy? Everything we do could have that, you know, a conversation you're having, like, is there a sense of both? steadiness and also joy or I don't know the way you just the way you go about your day um yeah I Ingar said this is another balance right but sort of the same thing that yoga is learning to cure what we need not endure and endure what we cannot cure right so everything that we do is there a way to find peace with either fixing it so that we don't suffer or the ability to, with joy and comfort, sort of handle the suffering. And everything is a way, you know, in, in everything we do, there, there's, it's one of those. Um, yeah, it's, this is a very popular sutra, obviously, because it mentions asana and it's actually also one of my favorites. And uh, the next one, 247 is one of my tops. Like I think maybe my favorite sutra, but we're going to talk about that one next week. I'm going to leave you hanging there. (laughs) Oh, actually leave you hanging for a while because we, oh no, 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 we'll be here next week. I'll be here. It's still just me in the closet. Um, I'll be here next week, but then after that, we'll take, I'll be taking Christmas and New Year's off because they both fall on Fridays. So we'll have two weeks off and then back in January. But next week, we'll be here. <laughs> I've got a little bit ahead of myself. Well, thanks so much for listening. Talk
1: to you soon.